Hi, Richard Durrington, your jovial host for the last five years, here again. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. It's our October surprise. Every day we will hear practical insights from A Call to Prayer by J.C. Ryle. His heart and call is indeed that of a tender brother and our companion in Christian warfare as he speaks to us. Let me speak, lastly, to those who do pray. I trust that some who read this tract know well what prayer is and have the spirit of adoption. To all such, I offer a few words of brotherly counsel and exhortation, and Suffer me, then, as a companion in the Christian warfare, to offer you a few words of exhortation. One thing, at least we all feel, we must pray. We cannot give it up. We must go on. As Ryle's heart strides together aside your host, Fred, in October, we will hear their practical prayer craft that gives life to a growing, biblical, dynamic, sincere, soul-satisfying, and consistent prayer life. And now, live from the paddock, here's your friend and mine, our host, Fred. Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. My name is Fred and I am the principal of the podcast. And once again, we are here in the paddock. A Call to Prayer by J.C. Ryle is the content of our subject today. At least the first level of content. Obviously, if you read as you read Ryle, our content comes from his knowledge, wisdom, and discernment from the Bible given to him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it has been very terrific. We are closing in on our end of our October surprise in our fifth year. And just a quick reminder, we will be taking a break after this on the 1st of November until the 8th of November, and then we'll catch you up with the other details as we go. We've got some exciting things coming up. Today, however, in our fourth part of our His Keys for Watchfulness in Prayer, Remember being watchfulness in prayer, being careful in prayer. We might, even, we might even call it the guarding of our prayer lives or the jealousy of our time with God. Those would be good phrases as well. And we're in part four, and we have mentioned really quickly, just as an aside, we have mentioned a ton through Ryle because this was his expectation of a daily prayer life. And that is our ultimate goal. We do want to have daily conversation with our God. So that's our goal. But today, I would encourage you, if you're listening and you haven't gotten there yet to where you are practicing the the art of your conversation with God on a daily basis, wherever you are at, your consistent path will lead you eventually through growth to a daily conversation. But as you may be moving in that direction, I just want you to not be discouraged that you're not there yet. You're on the road. The Holy Spirit will lead. God will teach you, and he will convict you at that proper time. And to that end, what do you think when we understand the ultimate commandment? Jesus, remember, came to give us access. 
And he said that commandment, the greatest commandment, is to love him with all your heart and your mind and your strength, in some places your soul. That's what we are called to do. To do. That's what we are saved for. So in your own experience, wherever you are at, what comes to your mind when you think about that? And then juxtapose that with the need to be praying with the God that we love, our Savior, with all our hearts, minds, and souls. The people we love, we want to, to be in contact with all the time. We really do as people. So today, as we are coming to this, um, this fourth call to watchfulness, and our call at this point to consistency, the consistency we want to grow into, we do need to be watchful and protective of that time. So, we will listen. J.C. Ryle, it's just a short sentence, actually. He's going to give us some advice on the company we keep. Why don't we listen to him right now? I've talked enough. Quote, Observe narrowly what friends and what employments leave your soul in the most spiritual frame and the most ready to speak with a God. End quote. And in there, when he talks about employments, that's the things, the things that we would, that take up our day. We would say that these days. In, in his day, that was employments. What, what are you doing? How are you employing your time? So again, quote, observe narrowly what friends and what employments leave your soul in the most spiritual frame and the most ready to speak with God. Jonathan Edwards was a pastor in New England in the 1700s, and it was said of him, and still probably is true, that he was the greatest intellect the Americas ever produced. And he was famous, is famous, for the meticulous care he took to make sure nothing hindered him in the study of the Word of God, and in his prayer time as well. He even, he even kept track of the food that he ate, so that he knew if it made him sluggish and not ready to study, he wouldn't eat that food. And for our godly living, what God has called us to do as individuals, we probably don't need Edwards' level of concern, but we surely, I would propose, need that same watchfulness in our practice of every part of our life to live like we are called to do. And the first thing that I noticed there was being sensible of the people who help us, who are around us, who inspire us, to be better or to be more excited about our following of Jesus. And that's only reasonable. Your new inner man longs to be around those people. And there are people that we are working with that we need to be around. Discipleship is a hard thing at times, but we need to make our company those people that really get us excited about following the Lord. And many times those are just friends who we know who are involved in the battle and our conversation revolves around, at some point, every time we see them, Christ. And I have counseled people, especially in dating situations. Is this person drawing you closer to Christ or pushing you awake from Christ? Because that's the thing. And no matter how much you are enamored of them, if they're not bringing you closer to Christ, well, for dating situations, maybe, maybe you should consider that. But just in life, the people that give you energy in Christ, in your Christian walk. And when he also talks about employments, man, we have that 
we have that temptation in spades, don't we? There's so many things we have in my culture, at least in the culture that I live in. I guess it's not mine. But we have things that consume us. And that's one of the things that can we can wrap ourselves up in, whether it's entertainment or just places to go or the freedom to go there or how much time we spend eating or recreating, we would call it here. We need to measure those things, to be conscious of them, to see if they draw us closer, our hearts, minds, and souls to God and godly living. And we need to make decisions to emphasize at least to spend the most time with those things that do draw us closer to God. And as we go, it's, it's really interesting to follow the Apostle Paul because in the book of Acts, we find him going out and evangelizing and then coming back as he did and visiting the churches to encourage them. He wanted to be that in their lives as well, not just the evangelist that blew into town, blew out of town after people professed their belief in Christ. In Acts 20, verse 2, And when he had gone through the, those districts, and had given them much exhortation, he came to Greece. So that's what he was doing on this trip, on this missionary trip. And then he stopped by Ephesus. And we see him there doing the same thing there, but it was an extended time. He had an extended time in Ephesus. So he said an extended goodbye to them. He knew he would never be back. And part of, and part of his extended goodbye was he tells them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly from house to house solemnly testifying to both the Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what his life was about. That's how the church builds up itself. That's how we build up one another. One of the most impactful verses from that chapter is verse 24, and this has become one of my daily prayers, or almost daily prayers, because of the stage I am in life and the time that I have left or that I think I have left. He says, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the grace of God. And whether you're working with, just with other Christians, encouraging them or just being part of their lives, no matter what your spiritual gift is, I think I would have been much happier if I would have learned of that lesson when I was much younger. Verse 27, he says, For I did not shrink back from declaring you the whole purpose of God, and we need to be that. And then as, as per our episode today, verse 20, 28, he says, Be on your guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, the shepherd of the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And of course, obviously, he was talking to the elders there, the leaders there. But we all need to be on our guard to carry out the purpose of God in our lives. And I love it in chapter 3 of Philippians. Paul says, he's talking to them, and he says, Brethren, he's just talked about pursuing 
Christ to the uttermost with everything we have, all our heart, mind, and strength, you might say. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You do have a job to do in the church. You probably already know that. And we may not be able, I know I'm not at this point, single mi- as, as single-minded as Paul was, but we do need to be pressing on, to be doing one thing, pressing on toward the goal. And then verse 17, it was almost like God put that here so we would see this. Verse 17, Paul says, Brethren, join in, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. So it is universal. None of us are off that hook. And when we come back to prayer and prayerfully, like I said the other day, this is part of what God has called you to do, being an intercessor, a prayer warrior for the church. We're reminded once again of Ryle. Observe narrowly what friends and what employments leave your soul in the most spiritual frame, the most ready to speak with God. And again, give yourself room to grow into that if you are not there, but that is the encouragement to be careful, to be guarding that precious time we have with the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for reminding us of what you have done for our souls and the need to protect that and the focus our hearts, minds, souls, and strength on Thee. Thank You for this time. We present it to You. Holy Spirit, move on Your children to not only bring them to prayer, but bring us all to prayer consistently with that focus of the precious time we have to live by faith and to come to You daily in prayer. We submit this time to You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because we know it is Your will. Do, Holy God, what we can't do. Speak, Holy God, in a way I can't speak, and then move us in a way by thy power that we can, cannot even move ourselves so that we glorify you with everything that we have. Amen. I do appreciate you listening. Brethren, we do need to be praying, and we are commended to Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless, with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority, before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Brethren, let's pray for one another.